are working through the Beatitudes, which are the opening lines of what's called the Sermon on the Mount. And the word Beatitude, just it's a Latin word that means blessings. And the reason why it's called this is that eight times Jesus used the word, uses the word blessed. You know, blessed are these people, blessed are these people, and so on going down. Um, but one of the things we're, we're picking up on here is that it's not blessed because you are this. It's kind of blessed in spite of you are that. And it's really wonderful news. It's this announcement to people who don't normally get good news. Um, and so this continues that trend today in the third beatitude we're going to cover this morning. All right, so to help set up where we're going to go, where Jesus goes next, we could basically look at the world we live in right now and say that the reality of a broken world is that only the strong or the bullies who make sure they get their way, the arrogant, the powerful, the wealthy, the intimidating, only they survive. The earth is theirs. The way of a broken world. For only those who know how to push and throw elbows and make sure that they get their fair share, or those who figure out a way to work the system to their advantage, they survive. The earth is theirs. Or those who are wealthy enough to buy themselves out of trouble, the earth is theirs. Those who see everyone else in the field as, as competition or who try to make themselves look better at their competitor's expense, that could be anywhere. They survive. The earth is theirs. Because in their view, the earth, this world, in their view, is a finite source. And as if it were a pie, they want to make sure that the biggest slice of that pie belongs to them, leaving as little as possible for anyone else. That is the world that we live in. You see that in all of the injustices that take place in our world. You see that in our schools. You see that in businesses. You see that in politics. You see that between nations. And you even see that in churches. So in a world like that, in a world that looks like this and operates this way, then what's left for those who are meek, who are mild, who are gentle, who are humble? I mean, I guess they get the straps, the leftovers, and they just eat dirt, right? Well, that, that kind of seems that way. I mean, they just get stepped on as those who are fighting for more just continue to push them to the bottom. So, if this world in its current condition was all that there was and all that there is, then man, that would really be some bad news. But that's where the words of Jesus come in. Because this world, in its current status, is not all that there is. And because of that, Jesus says in verse 5, with our third announcement of good news, he says, I have wonderful news for the meek, for those who are humble. For they will inherit the whole earth. The whole earth will be theirs. So for those who have always had to settle for the leftovers, who have been bullied and pushed aside and got nothing at all due to the arrogance and the abuse of power by others. 
the whole earth is yours. Nothing. And not just a bigger piece than you had before, but you get the whole thing. The whole earth belongs to you. I mean, that is some serious, wonderful news to those who are meek, to those who are humble. And so to help fully understand what Jesus is saying here, let's define and look further into these three key words. Meek and humble, to start with. Inherit, and this idea of the whole earth. All right? The people that this announcement is for, the meek and the humble, what these people gain that seemed like was never available to them before, the whole earth, and then why and how this is actually possible to an inheritance. All right? So we're going to start with our first point, number one. Walk in the character of meekness and humility, no matter what the cost. Now, I'm using the word walk here on purpose. Because this announcement is slightly different than the first two. All right? Jesus didn't say, walk in being poor in spirit, and that's a good thing. Or walk in your mourning, because that's a good thing. He didn't say any of that. But this one is different. All right? This is the conditions themselves of the first two, those who are spiritually poor and in bankrupt and those who are grieving and mourning. Those two are a direct result, a direct result of the fall of Adam and Eve's choice in the Garden of Eden. A direct result of how this world is now broken and fallen. However, being meek and humble is not a result of the fall or this broken world. It's the gross mistreatment of those who are humble and meek. That is the result of the fall and this broken world. And as we've already figured out, there is a cost to living this way. That's why you and I need this wonderful news. So, so I hope you can see the difference here between the first two we looked at and then this one now today. And since meekness is not a result of the fall, let me explain this a little further then. And starting with what meekness actually means and what it does not mean. And then why we are called to walk in this way. This way of Jesus, which is the name of our series. All right? So let's take a look at the, the definition here of being meek. Meek means to be gentle, humble, considerate, courteous, sensitive, patient. Now, now, one word is glaringly missing here, isn't it? All right, when you look at the definition of meek, there's an assumption that it means something, but that word isn't there. Well, what's the assumption that meekness is? Weak. But meekness does not mean weak. Another part of this definition is actually Meekness means strength under control. When you are meek, you're not weak. You have an incredible strength that you are choosing to place under control. There's a huge difference there. And I'm going to come back to this idea of strength under control in just a minute. But with all of this in mind, there are three variations of how meekness could or should show up in all of our lives if you are a follower of Jesus. All right? The first one is this. In your just general personality. 
I mean, this is where meekness could show up in your life, right? You might just be naturally meek and gentle. You, you might know someone who's just naturally meek and gentle. And that is one of the greatest gifts you have to this world. It is certainly a strength and not a weakness. Now, uh, this might actually be a residual carryover from our original design that some people just now still instinctively have. I don't know. But let's face it. Either if it's you or somebody you know, some people are just born with personalities that are just more gentle than others. We even have phrases that we use to describe them, like, man, they're such a gentle soul. Things like that. So this one here is not universal. It's just one way that meekness or gentleness could show up in people. But even people who do not know Jesus could fall into this category. And they're affected just as much as anyone else is in how the world works. But people here in this category still need Jesus and all that he provides. Why? Because it goes back to our first beatitude. That we're all poor or bankrupt in spirit. Every human being needs the new life that is now available through Jesus. Okay. So if that one is not universal and everyone still needs something more, regardless of how you were naturally born in this way, um, there's got to be a few other things that relate to all of us. And the first one is that meekness is a fruit of God's spirit, his character. This predates the fall. This predates when everything fell apart, when everything became broken. This is a fruit of God's spirit. See, meekness and humility are actually part of God's character. And they're revealed for us now in the character of Jesus. And as humanity was made in the image of God, meekness and humility were part of that original design. Meaning that they were traits that every human being was intended to live out. But again, as we've said, Adam and Eve's sin in the garden in Genesis chapter 2 blew all that up. So, how can this trait, this fruit of God's character, his character of meekness and humility ever become part of our broken humanity? How can it ever penetrate the hardened arrogance of our brokenness? Well, if there wasn't a way, then it would be really bad news, which makes the words of Jesus an announcement of wonderful news to the rest of us. Because even those with any of those leftovers of meekness in their personality, it's still not what it was intended to fully be. And it still needs to be reshaped and reformed to be the fruit of God's Spirit in your life. But this is wonderful news, is that Jesus has come to make humility and meekness as part of God's character now available to everyone. God's character reborn within you. How does that happen? Through our redesign through our transformation in and through Christ, through what he would do on the cross and then through his resurrection. In the Apostle Paul's writings, he would tell us that once the Holy Spirit takes residence in our lives, after we've surrendered our lives to Jesus, even in our brokenness, 
then part of the fruit of the Spirit of God's character that we see in our lives is, guess what? Meekness and gentleness. We see that in the fruit of the Spirit list in Galatians chapter 5. See, folks, I want to make this real clear. You cannot make yourself meek. You can't just go, I'm going to be meek. I'm going to be meek. I'm going to be meek. No chance. I'm, I'm going to be meek. I'm going to be meek. I'm gonna, you can't force yourself and will yourself to be meek. It's not possible. Meekness is not some kind of goal to attain then, then that just then gets the reward. Jesus is not trying to set the bar at meek, and all we have to do is go out and do that so you can then inherit the earth, right? Here's the goal, go do it, and then you'll inherit the earth. Get to inherit new creation, God's kingdom, all that stuff. That's not what Jesus is saying. Because in our flesh, we can't do this. It's only possible through the fruit of God's Spirit, His character being reborn within us. Meekness and humility are part of the new character that God's Spirit is recreating within you. So we can't do this. We can't muster up enough meekness in our, in our own strength. However, there is still this thing we talked about last week. There's a participation element that it participates in this fruit of God's Spirit or His character. Alright, so there's this third variation or expression, the way that meekness and humility should then show up in the lives of every believer. We have to activate it. We have to participate in it. We have to bear it. Then, then it will bear this fruit. And you do that as you yield and walk in, to yield to and walk in God's Spirit. So this is the element of choice and participation on our part. For every Christian, every person who is a follower of Jesus, remember part of the definition was strength under control. Therefore, meekness and humility are a way, or to be the way that we walk in God's Spirit. Paul says that earlier on in chapter 5 of Galatians, verse 16. So it's not just a fruit. It is the way we live out and walk out that fruit, or walk in that fruit. So no matter who you are, each and every one of you has some strengths. Think about Jesus. Jesus is God. He's all-powerful. He spoke creation into existence. And yet, as someone who is described as having the character of meekness, his strength is under control. It's not out of control. And the same, then, is to be replicated in humanity into the followers of Jesus who are being remade into his image so therefore, someone who has a certain level of success or power or authority or a talent or skill, a certain amount of financial wealth or influence, maybe you have one of those more assertive personalities, people like this, many, maybe many people like you, have incredible strengths at your disposal. That's just a few. But for every person that has been born again, made new, experienced the resurrection power of Jesus, for in the process of being transformed, then that person is to exercise and walk out this value and character trait of meekness and humility, no matter what your strength is. So it's not just who you are personality-wise. You might well, I don't have the person. I wasn't born that way. And Jesus would say, so? 
That's what the fruit of the Spirit is. But it's not just a fruit of the Spirit in Galatians. It is a choice to place your strength under the Spirit's control. So this goes back to the idea of the daily renewing of your mind, Romans chapter 12, where your spirit may be fully renewed, man, but your mind is a work in progress, and it has to choose to yield to God's Spirit, to place your strength under God's Spirit's control in order to bear the fruit of His Spirit in your life. So you are to make the choice to take your strengths, your personality type, whatever that is, your power, whatever that might be, your authority, your financial status, your influence, and you choose to be humble, courteous, sensitive, gentle, meek. You place your strength under the Spirit's control. And even though, yes, Jesus has already kind of told us this, it's going to come at a cost. The good news is, is that as we walk this way, even in the upside-down world that we live in, as a result, we model the character of God to a world that desperately needs to see it. And we also know that Jesus is the one who is eventually going to balance the scales. That's why the meek need this wonderful news, because it gives us the motivation and the perspective to keep walking in this way, walking in the way of Jesus, knowing that there's a promise that Jesus has given us. All right, so we're going to just skip over the, the inheritance piece for the moment, save that for the end. We're going to go right to the, the promise itself, all right? The earth. So point number two. Find peace in the promise for the whole earth is for the meek. See, the joke is actually on the bullies. Because at the end of the day, they're the ones left with nothing. And only the meek, only those who are humble, they're the ones who inherit not only part of the earth, but again, the whole thing. Jesus reverses all that happens in the broken version of this world. The question, right? I'm sure many of you are thinking about it. Is Jesus talking about this rotating planet going around the sun that we all know is Earth? Or is Jesus talking about something else entirely? Yes. <laughs> all right? See, this planet that we call Earth is, is something that has been fought over for thousands and thousands of years. It was created perfectly, wonderfully. Heaven and Earth were together at one. And Adam and Eve sin blew it all up, and now it's separated. Now this, this planet that goes around the sun has been fought over for thousands of years with different people, different nations, different tribes, all that stuff, claiming the best territories, claiming the best resources, you name it. And they've done this through all these wonderful things, like, right, this violence, bloodshed, slavery, you name it. It's been done just to get what they thought was the best piece of the pie. But as wonderful as this planet is that we call Earth, it is only a shadow of what it was created to be. 
And it suffers from the same brokenness and sin problem that we as human beings have. So here's, here's something to think about. Folks, people are fighting over a rotting piece of meat, and they don't even know it. That's the irony. All this effort, all this work, all this intimidation, all this violence is being used to fight over just a piece of rotting meat, and they don't even know it. See, Jesus is speaking of the earth as it was meant to be. The earth as it was originally created to be. The earth as it will one day be renewed to be. When heaven and earth are one once again. See, Jesus, if you notice when he starts to teach through these things, Jesus is interweaving the terms whole earth along with the kingdom of heaven through his teaching. And he's referring not to two different things, but one thing happening at the same time when the two are together once again. That's the day that Jesus returns when heaven and earth are one once again, just like the original creation. That is where everything is headed. And folks, there, there is no room for arrogance. For arrogance is part of the brokenness in this in the shape that it's in. There is no place for bullies there. For bullying is part of the brokenness of this world. There is no place for rude or demanding actions, for those are all part of the brokenness of this world. And it takes meekness and humility, first of all, to surrender your will and your life to Jesus, giving him ultimate control. And it takes someone who is fully transformed, someone who knows this Jesus, who can enter into that place where brokenness is no more. Where the effects of sin are no more. God's new creation, a whole new earth given to those who are meek. And why? And it's just, why is it given to those who are meek? Because those who are meek have, that's one of the characteristics of God in their So we can find peace now because of the promise that is waiting for us then. See, there's a psalm that Israel held on to over the years during their captivity under the Roman Empire and all the captivities prior to that. Their exile and now their time living under the Roman occupation. And Psalm 37 uh, was what was considered an eschatological psalm. Eschatological is just a fancy word that means end time. Um, And it pointed toward the day when God would right all the wrongs and put all things back the way that they were intended. Now, Now, Israel always assumed that it was just centered around them as a nation and around their hunk of this earth in the promised land over in the Middle East. They didn't have any idea that it had to come through Jesus and on a march, much larger scale than just their nation, and in a much larger way than just this tiny strip of land called the Promised Land. That's why Jesus is calling this such wonderful news. So Jesus is actually quoting when he says, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the whole earth. He didn't pull that out of a hat. He's actually quoting from this eschatological end-time psalm that I want us to see in context, okay? So I'm going to go back to that, back in verse 1 of Psalm 37. uh, The psalmist writes, Do not fret 
And this is great words for us here this morning. Do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. You refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret because it only leads to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land. And there's a whole thing in there that expounds on that as meaning the whole earth and enjoy peace and prosperity. Jesus is like, folks, in case you've forgotten, in case life has gotten so hard that you feel like now you have to compete and start fighting for what's yours because that's what everybody else does around you. Jesus says, I've got wonderful news. It is the meek who are going to inherit the land, the whole earth, all of it. It's all theirs. And that was wonderful news to the original audience, and it's wonderful news to you and I here this morning. Those who are followers of Jesus have been given the Holy Spirit, given, giving you this spirit of meekness. And because you are in the process of being transformed and made new, then all that is part of God's new creation is indeed Okay, which then leads us to then how and why is this actually possible? All right, and that takes us to our third and last point, number three. Do not fight to take, quote unquote, what's yours or what you think is yours. Rather, receive and rest in an inheritance that is already yours. So we talked about the who, right, the meek. We talked about the what, which is the whole earth and it, in all of its form and its new creation. And now we focus on the how. How is this possible? It's through an inheritance. Folks, can I tell you this? There is no amount of fighting that will grant you a part of that earth. Why? Because it is simply given as an inheritance. And you cannot fight to gain an inheritance. You have to simply receive it. And you receive it, by the way, from the rightful owner. The owner who has the authority to make those decisions. The one who has the authority and the ownership of whatever it is they're dispersing. You receive it from the rightful owner that you have some kind of relationship with. That's how any kind of inheritance works. It is the relationship that qualifies you for the inheritance. Oh, and just another quick thing. I think this is pretty rather obvious, but an inheritance is usually something that is made available after the owner has died. Well, guess what? The owner, the original owner 
of this entire creation. Jesus died to make this inheritance both available and possible. So the days of fighting to get some kind of small piece of this broken planet are over. Something far greater is now available. And we do not obtain it by fighting over it. We simply obtain it by, by receiving it through your humility, through your meekness, and accepting the offer that Jesus is making. You receive it through him as he's giving it to you as your inheritance. Why? Because you have a relationship with him if you've given your life to Jesus. See, tell me, a lot of people in this world are never going to have any kind of an earthly inheritance passed down to them. No land, no cars, no money, no anything. I'm not maybe the debt that, that somebody passes on to them instead. Only a fraction of the people in this world receive any kind of inheritance. But the wonderful news that Jesus is saying here is that anyone who knows him, anyone who knows Jesus, no matter how little you've ever received in this broken world, will be included in the greatest inheritance ever. God's perfect kingdom. Established on a transformed earth as heaven and earth are literally one again. Folks, that is wonderful news. And, and let me tell you how this wonderful news changes your perspective here. Let me, let me ask you a question. How many of you are familiar with the term a squatter? Do you know what a squatter is? All right. It's basically someone who decides to kind of break in and then live in a vacant home that is legally owned by someone else, and they just kind of set up shop there, kind of pretending, living in it illegally until they're forcibly removed. Well, folks, here's a perspective of what this wonderful news that Jesus is giving us does for us. Folks, the devil and his minions, along with all the bullies and all the arrogant, all the intimidators are just squatters. They're living in and trying to influence a world that is owned by someone else and that someone else is Jesus. It's all owned by Jesus. And when he returns, he is going to clean house. And that's a good thing. He is going to set all things right and make all things new, and he is going to give it to them who bear his name, those who are meek and humble because they have God's Spirit living inside of them. Now, just to be fair here, sure, those people who are in his house illegally right now, claiming that the earth is their own, they are given the same invitation during this lifetime to accept the cure for their broken condition and to then give them that legal access when he returns. Why? Because Jesus is a God of mercy as well as justice. He's going to clean house, but he's also a God of mercy. He wants to give them an opportunity as well, which is why the church exists, is to share that good news. But when the time comes, the end is very clear, and there is no ambiguity as to how this thing shakes down 
See, all the jagged pieces of this broken world that have been fought over and won and lost several times over and over tells us a story that nothing in this world lasts forever. It only lasts for those who are in power enough to hold on to it and defend it and all that stuff. But why this is such wonderful news is that there's nothing to defend. There's nothing we have to fight over. This world that we're going to have given as our inheritance is something that just doesn't last for a week or two or until something else happens. See, back in verse 18 of the same psalm, Psalm 37, it says, The days of the blameless or the righteous are known to the Lord, and their inheritance will endure for a few days. Uh, until the next big bad bully comes along. So someone who's bigger, badder, stronger, more intimidating comes along. Uh, no. The days of the blameless are known to the Lord, and their inheritance will endure forever. Because no one can and no one will ever change that outcome. Once new creation is here, our inheritance will endure forever. And it's just as real today as I'm standing here as it will be then. Just as secure today as it will be then. And we do not have to fight to gain that inheritance or to gain entrance into it. And if that is true, then we should not be fighting to try to get some small piece of the pie right now. We can rest because our true inheritance is secure. And folks, that is wonderful news. So as we close here today, may you yield to God's Spirit within you. And as a result, may you bear the fruit of God's Spirit in you as you walk in the way of Jesus, the way that is meek and gentle and humble and considerate and courteous and sensitive and patient, no matter what the cost. For the whole earth, when heaven and earth are one once again, yours. So let's take this wonderful news to be wonderful news into the lives of others. Would you stand? Oh. No closing song today. I'm just going to close this in a prayer and send you on your way and kind of have time of fellowship afterwards. Father, we just come before you, Lord, and we thank you, Lord, for Jesus just laying some things out that we so desperately needed to hear. Things we need to be reminded of. Things that are truly wonderful news that are not possible in and of ourselves and in our brokenness, but that you have made possible. By giving us your spirit, which gives us the opportunity to live out this day. Which then gives us this incredible, true inheritance, no matter how it looks on this side. So God, fill us with your spirit to walk and yield that fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name.